let's get back to connecting to your own body. Like, have you looked at your vulva since having giving birth? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, look at yourself. Touch your own skin. What does your tissue feel like? And like, remind your body that you can feel pleasure. You're listening to The MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Happy 2019. This is the first interview of 2019. Very exciting. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality and everything in between. And I'm your host, Jennifer Tracy. So lots of exciting things happening already in this new year. We are smack dab in the middle of our MILF Miss contest, 12 days of MILF Miss contest, where we've been giving away a MILF tea every day since Christmas. And that will go on until this Saturday, January 5th. That'll be our last day. And on that last day, the contest will also award the top three entrants. So the the three people that have the most entries will win not only a MILF tea or tank, their choice, but they will win seven of my favorite female-centric, female-authored books, which I'm very excited about that because I'm so inspired by women's stories, women's fiction, nonfiction, any kind of women's stories. I want to listen and I want to help you tell it. So, and I want to help you find it. (laughs) So I'm excited about that. And I am announcing January's give this month. So um, each month I will be, for every iTunes review that I get, I will be donating $3 to that month's chosen charity uh, or organization. And this month I have chosen Harvest Home, which is a housing in Los Angeles for homeless pregnant women and their children. And it's a beautiful organization. If you want to check it out, it's harvesthomela.org. And I just love what these people do and how they really care about these moms and their babies. And they, don't, they, they, so their whole thing is that they provide a beautiful space and, and home and community for these women and their children. And they also provide resources, classes, development for them to be able to work and support themselves um, and, and give back to the community. I think it's an amazing organization and I'm really excited to be donating to them this month. So go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, you can go to milfpodcast.com forward slash Apple, or you can just go to iTunes directly and do it there. There's lots of ways to do it. What else? Oh, I wanted to mention the ratings thing again. So recently my team and I made the decision to put the explicit ratings, which is, there's only two ratings is either just clean or explicit. There's no in between. And, you know, I, we're one of those sort of in between shows. I mean, occasionally an F bomb will be dropped. Occasionally we'll talk about things that are, you know, quote unquote, dirty or dirt, you know, sexual or whatever, but for the most part, not as much, but I just, I, we felt we made the decision to do that because we didn't want you guys, you to be listening to it, maybe with your kids in the car, or maybe the kids are, you know, around and they might hear a word and, and, you know, so we wanted you to be forewarned about that. That's why the change in the rating, but for the most part, it's not like we're, there's explicit language the entire interview. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce this week's guest, Alicia Willoughby. Alicia came to me um, through Instagram, I think. She found me on Instagram and she was a fan of the show. And she said, hey, you know, I love your show. And also I have a really unique message and something I want to talk about. Could we, could I be on your show? And I said, yes, absolutely. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> and so I learned who she is and I learned what she does. And she is a physical therapist in Northern California who works with women pre and postnatal on their strengthening their pelvic floor. Now, this is something before I talked to Alicia that I really knew very little about really. Um, and I've, feel like I th- I think I'm someone who's pretty in touch with my body and my different parts, but 
Wow. Just really was, I got an education listening to her talk. She's so smart, has so much experience with this. Alicia is a total baller MILF. And it was such an honor to have her on the show. I loved listening to her insights. And um, I loved learning more about the pelvic floor, my my own pelvic floor. So yeah, Alicia is a baller MILF. Also, just FYI, if you want to download the seven habits of baller MILFs, which is a little something that I wrote after having interviewed the first 30 women for the show, just go to my website, milfpodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you will immediately be sent this thing that I wrote about the seven habits of baller MILFs. Because it's really true. These women all have very similar habits and they embody that and they're at the top of their game um, in many, many different areas of their lives. So enjoy my conversation with Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. This is so fun. I'm so excited. So you are in, where are you right now? Uh, So I'm in Marin County. So I'm about 20 minutes north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm, so beautiful. Yeah. And are you from that area? I am. I'm from a, I'm from Novato in Marin County. I live in San Rafael now. But yes, mm. born and raised in Marin. And here I am now. <laughs> beautiful. And so uh, Alicia reached out to me and found MILF Podcast and reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I have I have some interesting things to share with <laughs> the MILF community. It's really interesting, like what you do. So tell me a little bit about what you do now. So I'm an orthopedic and women's health physical therapist. So what that means is I started out in orthopedics, your typical knee pain, back pain, neck pain, surgeries. And then um, through my career, I started shifting into treating mothers. And that started with um, treating women during pregnancy. I started realizing that women, before I even was pregnant, that uh, women were having back pain during pregnancy and everyone was telling them that was normal. And I was Mm. like a new grad. I had spent all this money on grad school. I had all these skills. And I just was like, I don't think that has to be normal. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So I started doing some extra, I did some extra training because in PT school, you have one day about pregnancy lecture. Wow. Really? Yeah. And one day about the pelvic floor, where you spend like a whole semester on the shoulder or something, you know? I mean, can we just pause there for a second and talk about the fact that the pelvic floor and the vagina and the hips and all of that is why we're all here. Exactly. And so like, wow, the fact that it's really not looked after in that regard, in that right. particular specialty of what you're studying. It's just like, it's such a whole part of the body. Right. And that everybody has a pelvic floor, just like everybody has hip muscles and neck yeah. muscles. And it's a thing. Do men have pelvic floors? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. And yeah. And I don't, I don't treat men. I don't either. I don't treat men either anymore. <laughs> I have no interest. Um, but yeah, I would, people that have strict pelvic floor practices, 50% of their patients are men. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because of incontinence, because of incontinence, um, erectile dysfunction issues, pelvic pain. I mean, if you think of like a cyclist was sitting on that seat and that seat's pushing up on all of his bits for hours, like they can have (laughs) a lot of like... (laughs) pelvic pain yeah. issues and erectile yeah. issues and prostate issues and they yeah. can too and they can, they have a lot of bowel issues so all that stuff a pelvic floor therapist would treat wow yeah wow okay so but, but you part of your story is that you discovered this like you said before you got pregnant with your child yeah before i got pregnant i discovered the pregnancy component of it i wasn't even aware of the postpartum component of it yet. <laughs> right Yeah. So I started, I did some extra training to learn more about pregnancy and postpartum at that time. And I was working in San Francisco at the time. And then I started marketing myself to the OBs in San Francisco saying, okay, hey, if you have a woman that has back pain, I'm here. Don't tell them it's normal. Don't tell them it's going to go away. I'm here. Mm. (laughs) So I started getting more women coming in for back pain. And I was making a pretty significant difference in the rest of their pregnancy. 
Wow. And, then I, and then I got pregnant <laughs> with my first babe. Yeah. And it, it really amazed me how patients and, and clients and people would say, oh, do you, have, do you have back pain yet? As if it's inevitable. Right. Yeah. Because I'm pregnant, that means my body needs to be in pain mm-hmm. and how we've normalized that as a society. And I was able to have a pretty healthy pregnancy for, you know, from that standpoint. Maybe it's because of what I knew already. Maybe it was just my body. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, as physical therapists, we kind of use our own bodies as experiments at, at yeah. times, like yes. trying things out. And then after I had my first baby, uh, my daughter, Charlotte, um, I moved to Marin. I wasn't working in the city anymore. I experienced my postpartum body for the first time. And then when I went back to work at a different clinic, most of the, it was still strictly orthopedics, but the really big well, hold thing. Hold on, I want to pause yeah. because I feel yeah. like I, we missed the, the, I want to know what your postpartum body felt like and, and what that was like as a whole, not just physically, but like, what was your experience postpartum? Oh yeah. That story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That little blip, um, that little thing. Oh man. Postpartum felt like I, I, it was, it rocked my world. Physically, I felt like I didn't know whose body this was anymore. Mm. I had always been very active. I'd always been, for better or for worse, very in control of my body, sometimes for worse. Um, you know, I ran, I ran half marathons and marathons and I have a history of like restricted eating and like all that stuff. So pregnancy and postpartum for me was, I was no longer in control of what was happening to my physical body. Yeah. That powerlessness is really scary. That feeling really scary. And I really think it's the first time a woman starts to feel disconnected with her body. Yeah that disconnect starts of, oh, this body isn't mine anymore. Yeah. This body is to create a baby. This body is to birth a baby. This body is to feed a baby. And my husband needs my body too. Like my body is not mine (laughs) anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So physically I, I felt okay. I didn't have any injuries, but I felt disconnected and lost within Mm. my, my physical body. I had a little bit of like typical baby blues when my daughter, I remember around, around four months, a friend saying to me, do you think you have a little postpartum depression? Cause I was kind of just in a little bit of a funk. What did the funk look like? Like what, what does that look like? What did it look like at that point? I'm trying to remember. I just felt kind of, I just felt down. I, I wasn't enjoying myself. Yeah. I wasn't enjoying myself. People would yeah. say, isn't this wonderful? And I'm like, eh, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, I just wasn't enjoying it yet. Sure. I think more of my, after I had my second, that hit me even harder than my first. Because mm-hmm. um, by the time my first was 16 months, I was pregnant again. At six months, the, the clouds really parted for me where, with her. I was like, okay, yeah. she's sitting up. <laughs> yeah. I can put her down. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. I can do You had that. a routine. You had, had you knew routine. what it was. Right. Yeah. I felt like I could do it. Um, and I pushed my body, I think looking back on it too much to start getting fit again, because I felt so gross inside. Mm. Mm. So looking back on it, I think I didn't give myself the the gentleness that I wish I would have with mm. the first, with the first babe. Right. Well, uh, and you had all this amazing knowledge that most yeah. women don't right. have. Right. So it was probably like... I'm guessing it was probably like, let me put this into action. <laughs> you know right. what I mean, could because that makes you feel empowered in a situation where you had been feeling powerless. Like I can, I know how to do exactly. this. You know what I and mean? I think I thought because I had all the knowledge, I could make it happen faster. Ah, yes, which that makes was sense. A, right. Which now I'm like, no, it doesn't <laughs> matter who you are. There is a yeah. timeline for healing that we need to respect and honor. And mm. I was like, oh no, I can make this happen faster because God, I, that's so I profound what you just said. <laughs> that <laughs> is so profound what you just said. There's a timeline for healing and we have to respect it. And God, that goes for everything. I just lost a, a dear friend to suicide and, mm. and it's only been five and a half weeks. And it's like the timeline. Anyway, just I'm relating that to so many different areas of 
of all of that. Like the timeline for healing is the timeline for healing. It's not our, it's not up to us. So I love that. Thank you for saying that. Anyway, sorry for the interruption. Yeah, that just no, really that's hit me. Yeah. yeah it, it, and I say it all the time to my clients now, mm. all the time. Because, because everyone they're impatient, probably. Absolutely, yeah. which I get. I mean, I get. <laughs> I say that to them. I hear you. I understand you. <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So you pushed. Yeah. You pushed through with your first child, and and you, yeah, and then you uh, physically got your body back, and then you got pregnant again. Yeah, physically, I felt fine, um, yeah. and then I got pregnant again. I remember being like holy shit. Like I just <laughs> went out and bought new clothes. Yeah. Like I just started feeling like myself again. And now yeah. we're going to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't a surprise. I had actually gotten pregnant by accident when my daughter was 12 months. And that uh-huh. time, I, I mean, I, I remember sitting on the floor and crying. Like I didn't want to be pregnant. I wasn't ready to be pregnant. And I ended up miscarrying. And I just... Mm knew from the start of that pregnancy, that baby wasn't going to stay. Like I just, I remember putting my hand, I put my hands on my uterus and say, if you're ready to go, like you can go, it's okay. Mm. And I just, it, it never stuck. And people have their own thing about miscarriages, right? Everyone has their own um, kind of belief of that. If that's a baby they lost. Um, but then when I got pregnant with my son, I know that was him coming back. Like, I just know, like, because before I, before I got pregnant with my son, I felt this like being there. I knew I was going to conceive a boy. Like I just knew. And I remember saying to him, like journaling and being like, I'm not ovulating yet. Like, just hold on. Like, I can't, I can't create you yet. Like, I know you're ready. Like, but I just can't. That's so beautiful. I can't bring you in. Yeah. And so I really feel like he knew I wasn't ready. And he came back a few months later when I realized. I was. So it's, wow. Yeah. It's a yeah. special. That's beautiful. It was, it was special for me in that way. And um, how old are your kids now? So my daughter's eight and a half and my son uh-huh. is six and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So first grade and third grade. Yeah. You can yeah. breathe a little bit. I can breathe a little bit. Oh, it's yeah. It's still a lot. I mean, mine's it's nine and a half and it's like full time mommy. And then yeah. I, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah. you have your son. So now you have son. two babies. Now I have two babies. And oh are you, God. you're back at work p- part-time or what does that I look was, like? I worked part-time through his pregnancy and then I took four months off and then went back to work when he was four months old, part-time, mm-hmm. still part-time. Mm-hmm. Four, yeah, I was still working for somebody else at the time. And I knew I wanted to go back to work. They all laughed. They knew I'd be back because I was yeah. the only person that showed up Monday morning. I was the only person that had kids. I was always uh-huh. on the show up Monday morning, like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to be right? there. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Charlotte was only two years old when Brandon was born. Like she was a baby still. Yeah. yeah. And that time rocked my world more. Um, Having the two kids or the birth of the second child? The birth, my births were amazing. Like I I would birth. I would birth, but I don't want more kids. Like yeah. I, I had home births with both of my kids. Um, mm-hmm. I had really empowering, peaceful births. Mm. I'm, I feel so blessed in that way. So giving birth was a very empowering mm. um, experience for me. Mm. It was the aftermath of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Like the kids, the having the two kids and, um, my daughter right around two started just being really spirited and fiery and she's Mm. very explosive. And Mm. it just started me on this really big struggle of motherhood more than Mm. like the first one was hard, but the second one, I I say sometimes I'm still trying to adjust because I just, it's motherhood. And and why I love what you're doing is because it, it, there are these real honest, raw conversations that I have, I really believe in having because so many women and so many of my clients sit in front of me and they, they feel like they're having an experience that's different because all we see is Instagram and Facebook, right? Yeah. I probably look like yeah. I really love being a mom on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. But motherhood yeah. is a role that I feel like 
unco- that like so uncomfortable in. It's like uh, yeah. it's like an itchy wool sweater that like I can't get off. You know, yeah. it's like this, it doesn't it doesn't feel comfortable. I struggle yeah. a lot in it, and it, that started right after I had right after I had him. Yeah, where it's just been and still is a really big uncomfortable struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I so relate to that. I so relate to that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy and it's not something that I, it's not something that I always enjoy. No. Oh God. No. There's a, a shame around that and there's a fear of judgment around that, but it's really important for me to say that, you know, most of the time I just want him to go to bed. (laughs) I'm tired. And uh, I'm newly divorced. We've been separated for two years, newly divorced. Um, Amicably, I always say that. I'm very grateful. I have an incredible (laughs) ex-husband. And when my son is with him, like today, this morning, I woke up, I was able to sit by the fire. I was able to journal. I was able to meditate. I was able to do all those things. That's one day a week I can do that. And I cherish it. Yeah. See? Oh my God. Because normally since the time he was born, yeah. it's like I wake up and I'm shot out of a cannon. Yes. And it's just go, 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 go. There's yeah. no like quietly, you know, waking up. I mean, then that, that's just also partly my child's personality. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, my daughter is. Yeah. It's just like, mom, mom, let's, he's always been like, get up, let's go. There's no like getting into bed and snuggling with mommy. Yeah. That's never right. been the case. Right. Um, so I completely relate to the itchy wool sweater and it is most of the time very uncomfortable and I feel overly exhausted most of the time. Yeah, I know. I always say I, I sleep great. I, I sleep eight hours. <laughs> I sleep great. My kids sleep great and I'm exhausted all the time. I think, I mean, my nervous system is on overwhelm and overstimulated all yeah. the time when I'm around them. It's yeah. like, I just, and then I go, I have anxiety. And so I go into this like paralyzed place where I just like can't even function because they're so loud and I can't even get myself to like put the dishes away. And because I'm yeah. so overstimulated that my, yeah. my, my system is just like on shut. It's like hovering around shutdown mode all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In all honesty, there are like less moments where I feel like I got this, I'm doing this, this is mm. great than the moments mm. where I'm just like, this is a shit show yeah. and, how do I, and how do I escape? <laughs> <laughs> how do I escape? Totally. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Totally. You know, just this morning, my daughter was mad at me because I wouldn't let her keep red lipstick. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. And she walked out the front. She walked out the front door and and like sat out on our porch. And it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, there you go. Hang, yeah. you know, hang out there as long as you need to. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it, well, and just trying to be a conscious parent who allows my child to feel his feelings and helping him sort through his feelings and you know. That part is really like, I'm, I'm glad that I'm trying to do that, yeah. but like, right. I also can understand why my parents were like, Jennifer, stop crying. Like go up to your yeah. room. You know, like I can yeah. understand that impulse because it's exhausting. Yeah. And also he's so much more evolved than I was at mm. nine. He's more evolved than I was at 25. <laughs> emotionally, literally. I mean, he can, yeah. he can advocate for himself. He can express himself. His, his thing right now, he loves to flip me off. He loves to oh give me the God. middle finger. And then I'll be like, blooms. And he'll say, I'm not doing it to you because the oh, finger yeah. isn't facing outwards. Oh, yeah. He'll like hold it up to the side. So I'm like, okay. So I let it go because he only does it here at home. But I'm like, am I I, I know I'm screwing this up somehow, you know, but it's almost like a funny joke between us because it lets him like let his anger out in this exactly, way. Exactly. So it's like, he's ex- <laughs> at least he's expressing that and he's not repressing it. He's not like shoving it down. No, he's very he's, expressive. He's going to explode later at someone yeah. else, you know? Yeah. 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 And he's, he really gets that. And, and I, I, I felt like one parenting win for me was one day when I was crying over something. I don't even remember what it was. It might've been the loss of my friend recently. Mm-hmm. And he was home and, and 
I was just crying and he came over and he rubbed my back and he said, it's okay, oh. mommy. It's okay to feel your feelings. Oh. And I just thought, okay, I did something right. Like, yeah. you know, it was, uh, he wasn't trying to figure it out or fix it. He was just being supportive and, and validating and loving. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I just thought, okay, okay. So that's a good, I, I did something right. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. There, I know there still, are those moments. He still flips me off. When yeah. I tell him to turn his video games off. Um, My son came over. He, he was yelling at me the other night and I I took on a time out for myself and I was sitting on the couch trying to get my act together. And he came up to me and said, mommy, I'm sorry for yelling at you. And oh. I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because you've done that. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, they, they, they pick up on all that we model to right. them. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have a husband. I do. Because of all that we were just talking about, how depleted we feel. Yeah. How do you maintain a relationship with him? Uh, I don't don't know. (laughs) I'm like, is he going to hear this? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Uh, It's something we struggle with every single day. Mm. And we go to therapy mm. and I, uh, we've gone to therapy for years and it's a, str- it's a struggle every single day. I, I don't have, I don't have the answer. I don't, I don't know. It's something yeah. we're trying to figure out. Having kids rocked our relationship. Yeah. How long were you together before? Not, not long. Not long. Uh-huh. We, by the time we had Charlotte, we had only known each other for three years. Okay. And so it was a very quick, like quick engagement, got married, bought a house, had a baby. It was like, bam, bam, bam. And then waking up and being like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's a struggle and we struggle, we struggle with it a lot and we struggle with it probably more than people know. And I Mm -hmm. think that's the other thing people don't talk about. Yeah. We struggle with it more than people know. And it's an ongoing work. It's ongoing work. Yeah. I wish well, I wish I had a really great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer, but that is a great answer because that's the truth of it is that it is yeah. ongoing work and you know <laughs> anybody that says I had um my oh, my OBGYN Suzanne Gilbert Lenz was on the show a couple weeks ago and and she's just so lovely and amazing and and she said, you know, like those families that you see on Instagram that are like the perfect family photo and the she's like I always think like I mean this is and she will she'll say like I feel bad saying this she's like but you you, sooner or later you learn that those are the ones that are on the skids because it's like totally it's just it's it's really hard to maintain two professions right yeah or even if even if one of the parents is home more with the children or it doesn't, I, I don't even know if that matters as much. It's hard to maintain both being parents, two children and a marriage, maintaining a relationship to the other, to your partner. That I always is, feel like, that, have you seen that? Tri- there's like a triangle of like, although I think there's actually four corners to it. There's my, my sanity, my kids, my marriage and my business. And, uh, and I, I think the original original thing, there's three, I don't, maybe business isn't in there, but they uh-huh. said you can, you can only, you can only give to two of them. So one of uh-huh. them is always going to be sacrificed. And so yeah. if you add in the fourth one of like myself, my business, my yeah. kids, my marriage, yeah. if I can only attend to two, then yeah. two, two are always falling apart. Like I turn my yeah. head to, to, to one and then I look over and something else is on the ground. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's um so th- what you just said reminded me this year when I was trying to make our Christmas cards. Uh-huh. I felt exactly what your OBGYN was saying of like because we just got family photos done and I'm like this this is bullshit. Like this is not <laughs> our life. And so I went on Etsy and then I didn't know this. On Etsy you can you can have someone make a Christmas card for you instead of like oh. a, a pre-template. And oh, I, I like found, that. I found a template that, I mean, they make their own templates, but they're different yeah. than like the happy holidays. Right. I found a template and I just got them printed. And so it says on the bottom, this card has zero resemblance to our actual lives. <laughs> happy holidays. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's brilliant. You know? That's so honest. 
my kids don't sit still. Like they don't smile all the time. Like we're not all hugging each other. Like, come on, let's stop pretending like this is our life. Yeah. Like if we just all stopped pretending and we're, we're honest to each other, I feel like we wouldn't feel so fucking alone all the time being like, is it me? And I the only one struggling? I love that um, <laughs> piece. I think that's so brilliant and and so honest. And yeah, I mean, it's when when I split from my husband, I was met with a lot of shock from people mm-hmm. that know us in our community. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait, what? Because we were at the beginning of our relationship. I mean, we had our struggles at the beginning, but I think we were in our community, a couple that a lot of people looked up to. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, they, you know, they know how to partner, they know how to do this. And we did. And we got tools and we went to therapies like mm-hmm. right away. But I will say also, as you just to echo what you said, having a child was like a friend of mine said it's like the kiss of death on your marriage. Totally. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, and it's so interesting because I remember thinking. I was so in love with my husband and so just excited to have his baby. And I wanted to get pregnant. I was like, ready, ready, ready. And I just, all of my pregnancy, I just thought, this is so great. I was so blissed out my whole pregnancy. I too had an amazing birth. Uh, it was just gorgeous. It was stunning. I, I, I loved every moment of it, even though I had third degree tearing, by the way, mm. and had to sit on like an inflatable donut for four yeah. weeks. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. And had to take Vicodin, I think for, I don't know, I can't, it's foggy, maybe a couple yeah. days. Yeah. And I hated it. I was like, I finally got off it because I called Suzanne and I was like, I haven't had a bowel movement in yeah. like, I don't even remember. And she was like, oh, you have to stop taking Vicodin. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, and then I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital again when I eventually did have to go to the bathroom. This is way TMI. I never usually share this much. And I, I'm going to apologize to my editor, Derek. <laughs> this sweet young boy is like probably listening right now going, ew, I don't want to know about you pooping. After. Well, this is the things I talk about at work all day long. <laughs> Great, because it'll segue us back into the pelvic like, floor. Which really I'm, I'm on in. it. <laughs> now you're talking my jam. <laughs> So there's a reason I was inspired to share about my bowel. <laughs> um, but but I, it, that part of thinking that it would bring us closer together and it actually, in my experience, did not. And the yeah. irony is, this is so interesting, and I'm, I've never articulated this until this very moment. Now that we're divorced, and I feel very fortunate again that, you know, it's, it was as amicable as it possibly could have been. There were, there were moments mm. in mediation that were really tough, but we really got through it with a lot of love and compassion. Mm. And now I really actually feel like we're closer as a family and that mm. my, we spend thanks, we spent Thanksgiving together a couple of weeks ago. We're going to spend Christmas together, all three of us with my parents, like, we have like a, a mutual respect yeah. and healthier boundaries wow. than we did when we were married. I'm not advocating that people should split up. I'm just saying it's very interesting to me yeah. that I feel more secure in my relationship with my husband now that he's not my husband, which right. there's so many layers I could dive into. I won't because I want to get back to pel- pelvic floor. Like yeah. we don't have yeah. sex anymore. So that's off the table and that's not a yeah. pressure and a, and a yeah. thing, oh you know. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I remember when, when my son was born and I hadn't seen my husband cause he had to leave town right after our son was born and I didn't see him for like eight weeks. And then I brought the baby to Boston where he was working, uh, on a film and, you know, he wanted to have sex and I was just like, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't have another person on my yeah. body. Yeah. Like I can't have another mouth on my boob. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So pelvic floor, this is so fascinating to me. Um, so I do Pilates, which I know Mm -hmm. is not pelvic floor work. Um, but I'm, can you explain to me a little bit what the pelvic floor is in a woman's body? Sure. Okay. Um, so there's 
about 14 muscles. Some people say 12, some people say 16. I say 14. Wow. 14 muscles down there. Wow. And they have multiple functions. So they're, they're a group of muscles that um, keep us continent. So they close up our openings, right? Okay. So they close up our anal opening, our vaginal opening, and our urethra. So they close everything up to keep our bodily fluids in. Okay. They also provide a lift to the pelvic organ. So there's like a, an elevator lift that the deepest layer does to hold mm. our organs up. Mm. They attach to all of the bones in the pelvis. So your sit bones and your pubic bone and your tailbone and your sacrum and your SI wow. joint. The, the pelvic floor is like the first line of defense. It's like the foundation of your house. So when they contract, they, they pull all of those bones together to keep them stable. I'm like doing it right now. It's just, <laughs> I can feel myself kind of trying totally. to get you can't, in touch you with can't it. talk about pelvic floor without people starting to do it. <laughs> I'm like, is this a Kegel? Is this a, what is this right. happening? I don't know, and then, but you're so going to help me figure because it out. Because they attach, because they, they connect the pelvic bones, they therefore provide stability for everything above the pelvis wow. and everything below the pelvis. So sometimes for instance, I had a woman who had neck pain with running after her C-section and it wasn't her pelvis that was complaining, but because her pelvic floor wasn't functioning efficiently, her neck was compensating. Wow. So it's not always the pelvis. I mean, the obvious things with pelvic floor is you're leaking urine, gas, or stool. You have pain with sex. You have in um, decreased sensation with sex. Those are like the big obvious things because then the mm. other, the last function of the pelvic floor is sex. The pelvic floor mm. needs to be able to stretch open for any mm -hmm. kind of vaginal penetration. Mm -hmm. And the pelvic floor needs to be able to contract efficiently so that if there's something in the vagina, you feel it. That like all of your right. yummy nerve endings feel the sensation that is meant to be provided. And orgasm is produced by pelvic floor contraction. So a common wow. complaint is like, oh, I just don't feel it. It doesn't hurt, but like, I just don't feel much after having a baby or my orgasms yeah. are less intense or I have pain with sex. Like mm -hmm. I, I have pain where I have a third degree tear. Like I have pain at my scar tissue. Yeah. I have pain deep inside. It feels like my husband can't fit in there anymore. Or some of the common yeah. complaints postpartum. Um, yeah. So yeah, the pelvic floor has very, very important functions. And wow. unfortunately, and why I started my own business to focus only on mothers. So in my practice, I only like my practice is 90% mothers. Wow. Is that as we all have experienced, the medical system doesn't take care of us as mothers, right? Like we have our babies, yeah. okay, you're healthy. The baby's healthy. Your stitches have dissolved. Bye. Yeah. Like, see ya. Yeah. And healing has only just begun. But nobody is guiding a woman through her mm. postpartum journey. And so we mm. have women returning to exercise too fast or having unresolved issues. And then society normalizes them. Oh, you leak? I leak too. Great. It's all normal. You just wear a pad when you run. Like it's, it's fine. Mm. Or you have pain with sex. We'll have a glass of wine and relax and it'll be fine. Like we've mm. normalized what happens to women after having a baby where we would never normalize that if it was any other part of the body or if it was a man. Yeah. You no. Know? And, and it breaks my heart all the time when I hear women that are like, Oh yeah, I can't play soccer anymore because I leak urine mm. or older women who babies are 20 or 30 have said to me, Oh yeah, I, sex was just painful after having my baby. Or I disconnected so much with my pelvic floor, with my vagina, with my pelvis after having a baby because of a traumatic birth or, you know, all the reasons why. Yeah. And then I like, I, do, I had decreased interest in sex. And years later, my marriage ended. I've heard that story so many times from older women when I used to work oh. in a normal orthopedic clinic. Wow. And so it's like, if I like, I, I just got this fire under my ass of like, if I can get this information to women sooner, yes, like, they're gonna not only feel better in their own bodies, like motherhood is hard enough without yeah. pain, without leaking, without feeling like your body can't even do what it's meant to do to take care of your kids. Yeah. Be able to lift your kid and not be afraid that your back's going to hurt, that you're going to prolapse, like that something's going to yeah. fall out of your vagina, that you're going to yeah. leak. 
Yeah. You should be able to have sex and know, like I, I talk to women all the time. We're like, well, I'm not really interested. Like I'm really tired. I'm like, look, I get it. Like I get it. But yeah. my job is when you do have sex, that it feels good, that you're not yeah. afraid of pain, that you're not afraid it's going to hurt, that you just have, if it doesn't feel good, who's going to want to do it? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like handmaid's have, tale. Yeah. We have enough situation. on our plate. Yeah. We have enough on our plate. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it, it's a big deal. And I, what I, my business is all about providing women what they're not getting anywhere else, you know, mm. like the care, the guidance, the, the support, like the, I'm on your team to help you return to being a full woman. Mm. Like mm. I talk about sex all the time. Um, I have a little spiel. I always give them postpartum about sex, about how like, Okay, we always like I know I did when my midwife was like, Okay, you're clear. I was like, Okay, we have to go have sex. <laughs> my poor husband, he's waited yeah. so long. Let's get to it. And yeah. we skipped everything that's supposed to happen before sex. Yeah. So what I tell my moms now is take sex off the table. Yeah. Like, remember all the things you used to do when you used to mess around in a car in high school? I mean, yeah. I did. You know, yeah. like Yeah let's get back to connecting to your own body. Like, have you looked at your vulva since yeah. having giving birth? When we're like, no, I'm like, okay, look at yourself. Yeah. Look at yourself, touch your own skin. What does your tissue feel like? And yeah. like remind your body that you can feel pleasure. Yeah. And when you can feel pleasure, because I think this has been mentioned before on one of your podcasts, but like motherhood and sexuality for me felt like they didn't belong in the same box together. Sure. Becoming a mom. We're the same stripped, universe, honestly. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Becoming yeah. a mom stripped me of my view of myself as a sexual being. Yes. And I had to fight hard to find that again. Hard yeah. to find that again. And and an S factor was one of the things that helped me yeah. with that. Yeah. But you know, like I see it all the time. And so I, I really try to help guide women to remember that your body is supposed to give you pleasure with a partner or without with intercourse or without. Yeah. And it's, it's a big deal because no one's, no one's talking about it. So it's I'd, true. Yeah, it's true. And I think, um, it's why I talk about it so often on yeah. the, on the podcast. And thank you for bringing that up because I, that was a big piece of what happened for me. And I've talked about this before, you know, once my child was in preschool and I kind of, my, my head looked up and I was getting treatment mm-hmm. for my postpartum. I got a medication. I was in therapy and I was 37, 38, I think. And I just was like, oh, I'm, and I started S Factor and I said, oh, I'm a, I'm a sexual being. And then it, like, I kept doing S Factor and I was like, I'm a really sexual being. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm actually more in touch with this sexuality at this mm-hmm. age than I've ever been. And, and I remember years ago, long before I even met my husband and I had a friend who was in her late thirties and she was single and having a lot of sex. And she said, Oh, just wait. She's like, when you hit like your late thirties, she's like, it's something just happens. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's Mm -hmm. okay. 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 And, and then I had my baby, I was 34 and I I thought of her often. I was like, Oh, well, that's never going to happen. You know, because I was so (laughs) deep in the fog of like, like you said so brilliantly, you know, just being completely disconnected from my body, not feeling empowered in my body, not feeling unified with my body, feeling honestly kind of betrayed by my body. Oh my God. Yes. You know, and just like, ugh. well, A, you got me into this mess because I got pregnant, you know, know? and B, why are you so tired? And why is, you know, yeah. So, right. Yeah. Fascinating to me. So when you get a new client, yeah, and she comes to you with. I mean, you, I'm sure you have a a variety of different um, complaints or or yeah. issues that people yeah. come in with. But what do you treat with? So you're a physical therapist. Do you yeah. like what methodologies do you use to help yeah. them strengthen? So yeah, I, I see people who have pain, like either pain in their pelvic floor or any other, you know, shoulder, neck pain, hip pain, like all the other kind sure. of pain stuff that, that we get as moms from all the hovering and holding and lifting. Um, I see women for abdominal separations. 
that aren't resolving on their own and a lot of core weakness problems. And then the mm-hmm. pelvic floor issues that I, that I described. So when a woman comes in, um, we spend a lot of time. Tell yes. us, just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but okay. can you tell us for my listeners who may not know what is abdominal separation? Cause yeah, I think a sure. lot of people don't know about it and yeah. also may have it and not know that they have yeah. it. So an abdominal separation, the medical term is called a diastasis rectus abdominis or diastasis, depends on how you say it. Um, and we all had one at the end of our third, third trimester. So at the end of our third trimester, the connective tissue down the midline of our abdomen gets stretched open so that our right side abdominal muscles and left side abdominal muscles are not touching in the middle anymore. There's now a gap in between the two. So it's a normal, beautiful adaptation that our body makes to grow our babies. Mm. Postpartum, when our babies are out and our uterus has shrunk down, the question is how much does the left side and the right side recoil back together? If a woman at about eight weeks postpartum or beyond, um, um, let me first say, they don't all come all the way back together and they don't have to. Uh. So they don't have to come back together. I have met few bellies that come all the way back together. Mm. So it's normal for there to be a little bit of a gap in between the two. Nothing has torn open. It's a stretching of the tissue and, and how much it recoils back together. A, a lot is due to your genetics. How much, how like springy is your connective tissue? So we, we can thank, you know, just genetics for that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it has to do with how you carried your baby. Like I'm 5'9". If I carry a nine-pound baby, but a woman who's 5'1", carries a nine-pound baby, yeah. she's probably going to get a lot bigger out the front of her abdomen than I am because I have more space for that size baby in me. So I tend to see that the smaller, more petite women will, ha- will end up with a larger abdominal separation. So the question is if they, if it comes back together. So when a woman gets a diastasis or an abdominal screen, I'm looking for what is the structure? So what is the size of the gap that's in the middle? If something is over, if something is two finger width or smaller, I'm not concerned about the size. Mm. If it's two fingers or larger. So I've had four finger separations, five finger separations, like they can, they can get pretty large. It's rare that they get that large, Mm -hmm. but they do. So the question is how, how far apart are they? And then how deep is it? Does it feel like I can sink my fingers all the way through their abdomen? Mm -hmm. Or is there a little bit of a floor there? Like there's a shallowness to their, Mm -hmm. to the abdominal separation. We want a narrower separation and we want a shallow separation. And then we check the function when the woman en- engages her core. What does that look like? I've met large diastases that have really good function. The brain still connected to the abdomen. Mm-hmm. And I've met small diastases that can't function at all. And what do you need to have that repair? What is, what is the function of a repaired abdomen? Is it all connected to the pelvic floor that you were talking about? Like, what's the symptom that if you had a split abdomen? So you, you can either have like, um, if you think that you've lost the structural integrity of the muscles that hold your pelvis and spine. Mm-hmm. So you can have any kind of like orthopedic hip pain, back pain, pelvic pain, knee pain, like you name it, because you've lost the pelvic floor and the deep abdominals are best friends. They work mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. They need each other. Um, so you can have orthopedic type of pain. That's usually the biggest pain symptom. But then there's then there's the aesthetic part where women are like, I still look six months pregnant. I see. I see. I've been doing all these ab exercises, but my belly isn't shrinking because your brain can't find their muscles. They can't access it. Right. There's this brilliant quote that says, you can't strengthen a muscle that the brain can't control. Ah. And in a postpartum body, this is what I see all the time is that a woman might say, okay, well, I'm doing my mountain climbers and I'm doing my whatever, but I lay them down and I, with my hands on their body, ask their brain to engage their muscles and the correct muscles that hold the spine and pelvis are not connected. The brain cannot find them after that big stretch that happened or after the the cutting and the stitching of a cesarean. I mean, yeah don't get me started on like every single woman that has a cesarean should get physical therapy. Like you just had surgery. Would we ever operate on a shoulder and not send that person to physical therapy? Yeah. 
so yeah, it's a big, it's a big word. A lot of the, there's a lot of information about diastasis now on the internet. Not all of it is accurate. Mm. Um, so it's, I mean, of course I advocate that every woman gets a postpartum evaluation by a women's health physical therapist to look mm. at how are you holding your body? How is your muscles working? Do you have a diastasis? What's your pelvic floor like? Cause if you're going to go exercise, don't you want to know that your pelvic floor and your abdominals are working? <laughs> totally. And I remember like, I can't remember who said it to me over the years, but like I would hear either from medical professionals or yoga teachers, like just do Kegels. And I'm like, right. what the fuck? How do I even know if I'm doing yeah, it? Like, exactly. You know, <laughs> I, yes. I still don't really know. Like I remember no, I, right. Kundalini teachers say, I asked her afterwards, I was like, how do I know what a Kegel is? She's like, well, when you're peeing, like stop the flow of urine and hold it and then start again and then stop again and then start again. She's like, that's basically a Kegel. And I was like, okay, that's the only explanation I've ever uh, gotten, Alicia. So and take it away. Common, tell us, tell us. The know, real like, deal. <laughs> that's the common um, thing. That's a common explanation. So there's there, I can't remember the statistics, but I learned in my pelvic floor training that um, a large percent of women who are just told do Kegels will do them incorrectly. Sure. And a portion of the women who are doing it incorrectly are actually doing it in a pattern that will worsen their symptoms. Wow. So, Instead of squeezing, they might think they're squeezing, but they're actually pushing. pushing. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and if you are only squeezing, like you're stopping to pee, you're only yeah. contracting about a third of the pelvic floor muscles. Uh, you're not getting the pelvic floor muscles that wrap around the vagina. You're not getting the pelvic floor muscles that wrap around the anus and hold your pelvic bones together. You're not getting any of that. So a better verbal cue and it has to be paired with breath. So I can't talk about this without talking about breath. Okay. When you inhale your breath, when you inhale and your diaphragm drops down into your abdomen, that's when your pelvic floor should relax down to the floor. Like you're letting an egg fall out of your vagina. Mm, and then when okay. you exhale, like you're going to pick a marble or an egg back up, your pelvic floor should close and then draw that marble up towards your head. Mm. But, it, but it should be a closure of all of it, your anus and your vagina. I don't even talk about urethra unless okay. specific cues if someone's leaking. Okay. But it's more like you're trying to pick up a marble at your vagina. You're closing around it and drawing it up on an exhale. Mm. And on an inhale, you drop and lower it. And the lowering part's really important. Because okay. if we've been told anything about a Kegel, it's been squeeze, 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 tight, tight, tight. I'm a woman. Yeah. I should be tight. My vagina should be tight. I need to be tighter. I need to be tighter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we forget like any other muscle in the body. Like if I walked around with my bicep tight all the time, that's not right. <laughs> right. So like any other part of the body, the muscle should be able to contract and the muscle should be able to lower and relax. And there's a yeah. big population of women walking around that have pelvic floor dysfunction because their pelvic floor cannot relax. Wow. And so those are the women that might try to do Kegels or might try and, and their symptoms actually get worse because the last sure. thing that pelvic floor needs is to be tighter. That sure. woman actually needs to learn how to release and let go of her pelvic floor. Well, sure. And the first thing I think of when you say that is how painful sex would be. Abs exactly. Absolutely. And you know what? Our pelvic floor is a really good defense muscle. Like our pelvic floor, I say to some women, your pelvic floor is acting like there's a bear behind the curtains ready to attack. Mm -hmm. Pelvic floor is like just contracted all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's can be re real reason for that from like birth trauma or, or a history of sexual abuse or chronic pain or over just someone who has like a lot of anxiety and stress or any yeah. kind of trauma. There's reason yeah. why the pelvic floor tightens up. But many women don't even know. It's not like you're walking around tightening it on purpose. Right. The brain doesn't even know. A lot of women um, post-C-section will end up with a pelvic floor that is overactive because the C-section mm. is such a big trauma to the body mm. that the pelvic floor is trying to protect the body by tightening up. And even after sure. the cesarean heals up top superficially, the pelvic floor is still on guard, like ready yeah. to protect yeah. you. I, and, I, and I will also throw in that I would say about 50% of women, that breathing cue that I gave feels mm -hmm. completely opposite to them. Yeah. So they want to contract on an inhale. Yeah. Instead of on 
I just did it while you were saying it at first. And I, and I remember that's exactly what was my experience. You said inhale. And then I was like, like I was pulling up the marble before you said pull up the marble. And I was like, yeah. oh, 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 relax now. Relax. I, it was, I was the opposite. It was very exactly. interesting. Yeah. And so if the breath is opposite, that, that is like the first thing that a woman needs to wow. clear out. Retrain. Yeah. So you, you, that's one exercise that you have. What, what are some other, I'm sure you have yeah. a coterie of things that you do, but what are some other examples of things that you do with, with your patients? With your well, clients? Yeah. I mean, if, I'll say that if someone, just so that people know, if they do go see a women's health physical therapist, like what they're getting themselves in for, because not many people even know. So like there's a, there's a regular type of like, let me check out your abdominals, like I mentioned, but then a pelvic floor exam um, is a vaginal exam. So you're looking at your scar tissue and then you're, you're looking at what the muscles feel like and what the strength is of the muscle within the vaginal canal. Unlike at an OB's office, there's no stirrups. There's no mm-hmm. speculum. It's mm-hmm. done with just one finger inside the vagina. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot more gentle. There's mm-hmm. a lot more care put into mm-hmm. that type of pelvic floor exam. You're talking with the client through the whole thing. Right. Explain exactly what you're doing versus like a speculum exam where you don't even know what they're doing when they sure. go in there. I could say in general, it's reconnecting the woman with the muscles that need to be reconnected. Mm. How do I contract and relax my pelvic floor? How do I contract and relax my abdominals in a correct pattern, in a correct breath? And then the reason why Kegels don't work or the reason why Kegels, you get hit a plateau quickly is that the pelvic floor doesn't work alone. Like if you're going to do Kegels, you're going to do them just sitting here, right? Like one, two, three, four. But but your, your pelvic floor, like when do you need your pelvic floor? You need it when you're standing. You need it when you're walking, when you're walking up the stairs, holding a toddler and a grocery bag. Like yes. you need it when you're going to jump. Yes. When you're, so you have to very quickly take the pelvic floor and integrate it with the abdominals, integrate it with the glutes, integrate it with the hip muscles, integrate it with movement. Wow. So I mean, that's what I teach is like it, the exercise might look like a normal, like shoulder exercise, but sure. actually, or a, or a sidestepping exercise. Yeah. But in that moment, that woman is consciously engaging her pelvic floor and her abdominals and breathing and stepping. And the only way I know she's doing that is because I've manually checked her pelvic floor and her abdominals yeah. before she even got started. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that's so cool. So like, wow, that's awesome that you do that. I, I feel like it's, that's such an underserved demographic. It's just the demographic. I mean, half the population are women and, and I don't know what the percentages have given birth, but you're right. Like I think back to, I mean, nobody checked in about, I I do remember Suzanne, my, my OBGYN had said, you should do some pelvic floor, like try to get a prescription. She said, your insurance Mm -hmm. may cover it. They may not. And she wrote out a place where I could go for Pilates. But at the time I was so deep in my postpartum depression and anxiety that I was just like, I can't even, and I didn't have childcare and da, da, da. But it is, uh, just, it's kind of mind blowing that that's not looked after. Yeah. Like and I mean, I, automatic. Right. I mean, every, every woman should say, okay, like, like the next part of your healing is to go see a women's health physical therapist, at least yes. get cleared, like at yes. least get someone to say, okay, you're good. Like, or this is what I think you should work on because sure. like you at six weeks postpartum, I didn't even know which way was up, let yeah. alone. No if I needed any therapy for my body. Right. So we should be checking in with women at six months postpartum, you know, but we don't do that. A medical system system doesn't do that. So women have to be advocates on their own. Like they really Mm -hmm. have to seek out physical therapy and help on their own because their medical system isn't going to necessarily provide that for them. Wow. So you're, you are in Marin, so we can all come see you in Marin, but for those women that, (laughs) that don't live nearby, um, what would you, what would you advise? Yeah, I can give you, um, I can give you a couple links where that are women's health physical therapy directories that you could, you could post in the, in the show notes, because there's two directories that you can put in your zip code and it'll pull up you know, where the closest women's health physical therapist is. Right. So um, there are other versions. I mean, there's nobody like you, Alicia, oh, obviously, okay. but there are other women or other, not, there are other therapists doing this yes. work. Oh, okay. absolutely. I okay. mean, my, I would say my practice is geared just towards mothers. There's like, right. there's fewer of where I'm here for the mommies. 
Yeah. But there's, there are um, many more pelvic health, pelvic floor, women's health, physical therapists okay. around. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. I just, I want to treat, I want to treat the mommies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And thank you for that. And this yeah. has been such a treat and we've come to the time, my dear. Oh boy. Uh, where <laughs> I get to ask you the three questions I ask every guest. And then we okay. go into a lightning round of, of questions. So first question, what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? Now, I think about a woman who, regardless of her shape and size, is connected and rooted in just the power she is as a woman. Mm. Just the power that she has and, and the power of her sexuality and owning just how fucking hot she is mm. because she's a woman. Yeah. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? For better or for worse, I don't change my mind a lot. <laughs> you know, like for better is I'm a type of person that when I decide something, I stick to it and I push and I go and I'm like, I'm going to get it done. Yeah. For worse, I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn. And yeah. you must and be a I, Virgo or a Taurus. I'm a Capricorn. Oh, you're a Capricorn. Okay. Yeah. I'm very shows like how work, little I actually know. About I'm very it. like work driven. Like this is the plan uh -huh. and this is how it's happening. And you just uh -huh. don't uh -huh. care for the plan. Hence uh -huh. why motherhood shook me up so much. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this is the plan. You're like flexibility. What are you talking about? I, I don't, don't do that. I mind very yeah. often. Okay. I should. I'm going okay. to try to more. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. Be yeah. you. Do you. Yeah, yeah. How do you define success? I define success as finding the reason why you're here, like finding the purpose, like you're calling, like what lights you up and being able to do it, being able to give your genius, give your gifts to the world. And for me, and getting paid to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Yes. Getting... Nothing feels better. I don't, I feel the most rooted and grounded when I'm at work, when I'm mm -hmm. sitting in front of a client and I'm, I'm in my intuition and in my genius and providing and, and giving and listening. I, 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 that success, that success mm. to me. Mm. Yeah. Lightning round of questions. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? Dark chocolate covered almonds. Although I don't really consider them junk food. I consider them a necessity. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And there's protein in that. So exactly. That's How junky is it really? That's, that's pretty know, good. Right. Movies or Broadway show? Oh, kind of neither. I'm more of a... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're more of a Netflix uh, yeah. and chill kind I'm of I'm more guy. of a like, give me an hour show and no more than that. <laughs> totally. Totally. And and preferably beginning before 6 p.m. Because by right. 8, I'm in a, I'm in a coma. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Daytime, which is a problem, but daytime. <laughs> <laughs> cat person or dog person? I have a cat. I would say a cat person. Okay. I love dogs. I too. We just don't have one yet, but cats. I always, I've always had a cat. Have you ever worn a unitard? No. <laughs> Shower or bathtub? Bathtub. Ice cream or chocolate? Chocolate. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? Oh my God. Maybe a five. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh God. What's my biggest pet peeve? I don't know. I probably have one. <laughs> my children. <laughs> I love that answer. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you could push a button and have perfect skin for the rest of your life, but it would also give you incurable halitosis for the rest of your life, would you push it? No. Superpower <laughs> choice. Invisibility. Super strength or ability to fly? Well, at S Factor, I feel like I already have super strength and ability to fly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go with invisibility. I love it. 
I love it. Would you rather have six fingers on both hands or a belly button that looks like foreskin? I'm going to (laughs) say six fingers because I do a lot of like hands-on body work on my clients and maybe that would improve it. (laughs) One more finger to get into an extra muscle. I don't know. I love it. (laughs) But then I guess I'd have to see it. So I don't know, but I'm going to go with the six fingers. They would have to see it, but then they would see the results. Totally. They might be like, like, go to the therapist that has six fingers. Go to 12 finger Alicia. Twelve dozen dozen digits. There it is. There you go. Digits Alicia. Yeah. Uh, I could do that all day. Just come up with names for your new practice with with 12 (laughs) fingers. What was the name? What was the name of your first pet? Kitsy. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Okay, so the the street I grew up on was Orchard Way, but because I know where you're going with this, <laughs> the street that I lived on when I was a newborn was Cherry Street. Oh yeah. So Cherry Kitsy Street, Cherry? totally Kitsy Cherry. Oh, that, that, I mean, it just that's the gift that keeps giving, right? <laughs> Kitsy Maybe Cherry. But with, with 12 fingers. Oh, Kitsy Cherry 12. Yeah, we're going to work on that. I got to um, Kitsy Cherry dozen digits. Something. I don't know. I got to work on it. I'll get back to you. But boy, that oh, is something. She, she could have her own pelvic floor practice and her own burlesque show totally. all in the same space. It's so funny. A friend of mine says that I'm going to be the physical therapist that has like a red room. Like, yes. Like, and behind here, let with me show pole. you my, my yeah. pole. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God. I would go there all the time. All the time. Oh, I love um, it. Alicia, it's I such a treasure it. to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, this was thank a you delight. so much for having me. So fun. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alicia. I hope you will tune in again next week. I will be speaking with Kimberly Muller, who is a really a Renaissance woman. And I just loved meeting her. And she, I walked into her house and I just, not only was her home just impeccably designed, which was amazing, but I kind of breezed past that because I just was like entranced by this woman and her gorgeous red mane of hair. This just like thick, gorgeous red hair. I just thought, oh my God, I would follow you anywhere or do anything you ask me to. I was sort of entranced by her and uh, really loved having a conversation with her about all that she does and all the different creative ways that she um, expresses herself. And, and so that's next week. So be sure to go on iTunes, leave us a review for every review I get in the month of January. I will be donating $3 to Harvest Home in Los Angeles, which is a home for homeless women and their babies. And uh, it's an amazing program. It's very nurturing there. And they offered a structured program that helps women change their lives to attain independence and stability for themselves and their their children. Um, their website is harvesthomela.org. And I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>